Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Finding the right supplier or manufacturer to work with for your business is key to helping the success and growth of your brand. Recently, I did a webinar for Small Business Britain and eBay discussing where to find suppliers, what to ask them and what they'll need from you, and really looking at the key ways to source products for your business. In my 18-year career in buying, I've travelled all over the world, working with suppliers and factories, sourcing products from footwear in Brazil, interiors in China, nightwear in Sri Lanka, among many other places that I've been to, finding the kind of products, suppliers that would be the right fit for the retailers that I was working with. And I've learned a lot from that time period. And also working with entrepreneurs and smaller businesses over the last couple of years, what that looks like on the different side when you're working with smaller quantities as well. So today I'm going to be discussing the key ways to source products for your business. But before you start thinking, who's the right supplier for me or what do I need to do? I want you to understand these three things. So first of all, you need to understand your why, your customer and your competition. Now, with your why, I want you to think about what your mission is, what you do, who you do it for and why you do it. Your vision is the bigger picture and your values are the core of your brand's personality and your message. Now, the reason you need to understand these before you start looking for a supplier is it affects your price, it affects your customer, and you also need to understand where is your brand going to be positioned in comparison to the rest of all the other brands that are out there that might be doing something similar to you. So if you think about your why, now I'm going to take two examples here. I'm going to take an example of of Nike and LinkedIn. So two very well-known brands that you'll be able to hopefully understand very clearly what I mean about mission and vision and values. So for example, Nike, their mission is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. And, And their feeling is if you have a body, you are an athlete. Their vision, which is the bigger picture, is to do everything possible to expand human potential. And their values are innovation, being authentic, inspiration, and connecting every athlete in the world. And then if you take LinkedIn, their mission is to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. So that's their kind of statement. It's what they do and it's who they do it for. Their vision is to create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. So that's their bigger picture. That's their mission. And their values are respect, compassion, honesty, and integrity. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about this because I do want it to be more about sourcing and your products. But I think it's very key to understand those essentials before you start looking at, you know, what's the right supplier for you. Then you want to understand your customer, what age they are, what their past shopping behaviors are, their habits, the way they shop, how often they shop, what brands they like, the kind of income they have and what they're influenced by. And then once you're clear on that, 
or as part of this research, you then look at who your competition is. And you may think to yourself, I don't have any competition, but you do. No matter what kind of brand you have, there's very few original ideas out there that there will be some kind of direct or indirect competition. It may not be in the country that you're in, but there will be some business that you can look at for inspiration, look at to see, right, where am I different and how am I different to them? So when you're looking at the competition, you want to look at their price points, who their customer is. You're looking at their social media, their branding, their email marketing, always can recommend signing up to the competition's email marketing, following them on social media and seeing what they're doing and how they're interacting with their customer. You want to look at their products, where their brand is positioned and what their USP is. Because by understanding their USP, their unique selling point, you'll be able to understand how are you different and what does your brand and business offer. So when you've looked at the competition, you should be very clear on what your pricing structure is, how your brand is positioned, what your unique selling point is, and your why. So I'm not going to go into those. Like I said, it's this is going to be about sourcing and finding the right supplier for your business. So I'm taking it from now that you understand all of those things. And I really recommend that, that you're very clear about those before you start looking at suppliers. So if you want to get products for your business, you can buy branded, you can buy white label, you can buy own label made to order, or you can get you can get products in a dropship from dropship. So with branded, the product's not exclusive to you unless agreed and carries another company's branding. It's usually bought through a distributor or a wholesaler or direct from the brand itself. You could buy white label. So you've got off-the-shelf product that's bought from a supplier. The product's generally already made and there's a specific range to choose from. You can add your own labeling and packaging. If it's clothing, you can add your own printing or embroidery. And if it's skincare, you'll be able to choose and change the packaging. And then you have made to order where the product is made specific to your requirements. It's exclusive to you and it will have higher minimum quantities than the other options. And lastly, then you have dropship where you don't own the goods. People place an order through your site, but the order comes from the brand directly to the consumer. And where can you find suppliers and where can you find these, whether it's brands or white label or dropship, whichever format you decide to bring products into your business. So you can look at LinkedIn. So obviously business to business platform, and I'm going to go through ways that you use LinkedIn in shortly, but Google obviously is a very great resource as well. Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, you know, look at the hashtags. You can use hashtag China supplier, hashtag clothing supplier, hashtag candle manufacturer, hashtag whatever it might be that you're looking for and use Instagram and Pinterest and TikTok as you would use Google. Other places that you can find brands are marketplaces such as Fair and Anchor Store and Create. With those, you need to be registered. You may need to have a website before they accept you onto their platform. And then you have trade fairs such as, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of trade fairs. So it really just just depends on your business and what you're looking for. But in the UK, you have trade fairs like Spring and Autumn Fair. So lots of gifting just around the corner, which is a fashion one, top drawer, gifting as well, Cosmoprof, which is beauty. I'm not going to name them all. There's absolutely hundreds. If you're stuck on what kind of trade fair might be the right one for you, pop me a DM on Instagram or send me an email, Nicole at thebuyingretailcoach.com and I'll see if I can recommend some. And also you have sourcing websites such as Common Objective, Alibaba, Make It British and Resource Fashion. So there are different ways that you can find manufacturers and suppliers and products for your business. So if you're looking at LinkedIn, you want to search by product type, select the location of where you want to find 
or where you want to buy the product from. And also before you start going into LinkedIn and using LinkedIn as a source to find manufacturers and suppliers and contact them directly, make sure that you have your own profile set up. Make sure that there is a photograph there. They can see who you are and they may not check LinkedIn directly. So I would, you could message them directly through LinkedIn, but I would also, once you've got the company details, go through their website and contact them there because sometimes messages get lost in LinkedIn. But, you know, you can definitely fine tune your search. If you put in candles in LinkedIn, you'll get something like over 6,000 results. But if you put in candle suppliers and you change it to and you have it selected on companies and you change it to the United Kingdom, you'll get 30. And from that, you can whittle it down further to what you need. And like I mentioned before, trade fairs are an absolute amazing resource. So you can go and visit them in real life if you have the time and the budget to do that. Or you can use the the trade fair websites that will have an exhibitor list, which you can filter down by location. You can filter it by the requirements that you have, and you can start to fine tune who it is that you want to check out and research, whether that's in person that you want to go and see them at the trade fair or whether that it's you're going to contact them over over email. It's not a quick win, you know, going through researching suppliers, finding the right supplier for you does take time. You're not going to just land on this perfect fit. And I'll go through the questions shortly that you should be asking them, but it's one of the crucial things, but it's one of the things that does take the, a lot of time at this beginning, at the beginning stage to find who are they going to be the best suppliers for you. And then you have sourcing websites. So some like Common Objective, which has a sustainability slant, even just looking at Alibaba, AliExpress, it really depends on what you're looking for, for your business. And then using social media. So using the hashtags, like I mentioned before, that are relevant to your business and then see what those manufacturers, see what hashtags those manufacturers are using. Go and search those again. You can definitely use Pinterest, use Instagram, use TikTok. I've seen previous suppliers of mine have now TikTok accounts and they're showing the whole manufacturing process. So it's a great way for you to see what they do and also for you to find them in the first place. But with Google, you know, be specific with your search and then try and narrow it down. You know, if we take the candle suppliers example, if we take, you know, put in candle manufacturers UK or candle manufacturers plus China, so that those kind of that you get all the candle manufacturers, but you also get China as well. And you're just going to have to keep on whittling it down to and narrowing it down to the ones that might be the right fit for you. And a couple of other ways to to find suppliers. So there is a website called the Open Apparel Registry, which is a, a website that has an open map of global apparel facilities that they invite many businesses to, from, from a transparency point of view, to, to load where they're manufacturing their products. So you could check Bowdoin, you could check Jani, and you could say, right, okay, I want to see where they are, which factories in China they're using. And you could put that in and it will bring up a list of factories that they're using. So that's one way that you can find those out. Then you have to go onto Google, copy and paste those factories in, and look for those factories and find those factories again. Like I said, a lot of research. You've got the World Trade Organization. So if you are looking for more artisan products and for countries like India, Africa, they could be a good option for you. British Chamber of Commerce might be able to help you out. And also the Chamber of Commerce in the country that you are looking to buy from. So if you're looking to buy from Turkey, they'll have a an equivalent to a Chamber of Commerce that you can get in touch directly with there and say, I'm looking for Turkish suppliers of such and such a product. And they will have a registry of manufacturers that they can help you with, or they'll be able to put you in touch with probably an export body or a government body that does that kind of work for suppliers in that country. 
One of the key things you need to think about when you are choosing suppliers and manufacturers is where do you want the product to be manufactured? Is it, do you want it to be made in the UK? Do you want it to be made in Europe? Do you want it to be made in the Far East? And there's a lot of, there's pros and cons for, for different countries. But if you get products made in the UK, you can buy a smaller quantity. You've got ease of logistics. You can visit the factories. You can use it in your marketing. And you can also do the test and repeat model. So that way you're, what I mean by that is you test a product. If it works well, you repeat it and you can get back into that product and make sure that you've not got too much products, too much cash tied up in your stock, that you've not got any leftover for marketing or advertising or social media or anything like that. Other kind of aspects that you want to pay for covering your business. The, you know, the downside is that you've got higher labor costs. And there's also some product types that just aren't made in the UK anymore. And then with Europe and the Near East, so countries like Portugal, Spain, Turkey, Egypt, Morocco, generally medium-sized quantity, such as like 50 to 200 units. And you can have relatively quick repeats. So you might be, it depends on your product type, but you might be looking at six-week lead time, six to nine-week lead time. But then you do have, if you're bringing it into the UK, you have you have Brexit ramifications of having to pay duty on the products. But it's closer to home. You have a uh, lower carbon footprint as you're not bringing it in from the Far East and you can buy medium-sized quantities. And then you have the Far East, so countries like China, Vietnam, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India. You'll have a cheaper labor, but you'll have a longer lead time. You'll have the shipping time. You'll need to buy larger quantities. And then you have the logistics of landing and bringing in your product. So you might get a cost price and you go, that looks great. And you compare it to what you've got from Europe or you compare it from what you've got to the UK. But with a cost price, you're not just looking at the cost price. You need to look at what is the landed cost of that product. So what does it cost to get it to my warehouse or to my house, whichever it is, wherever, where you're working from, what does it cost for me to bring that product into the country, into my hand? So if you're bringing products in from you know the Far East and from Europe, you're going to have to pay duty on those products. So duty is a tariff customs tax on the products and it varies. The percentage varies depending on what products that you're bringing in. And then with the Far East as well, you'll have currency fluctuations. So depending on what the exchange rate is, you might be buying it. If you place a repeat, you might be buying on one price and then you place a repeat, the exchange rate has changed might not be in your favor. So you might make less margin. And then you also have freight charges as well. So your shipping charges to bring it over. So some of the questions that you want to ask suppliers when you feel that you've narrowed it down. Well, first of all, you want to kind of get a bit more of a background from them. You want to introduce yourself. You want to give a little background about what you're doing, who your customer is. And there'll be certain things that they'll need from you, which I'll cover in a moment. But some of the questions that you are going to want to ask suppliers is what's their minimum order quantity or minimum order value? So if you're buying a branded product and you want to retail it, then they're going to have a minimum order value. But if you're buying something, say if it's white label or you're getting something made to order, you need to ask them what's their minimum order quantity. You want to understand what's their production and sample lead time. So how long is it going to take them to give you that first sample? How long is it going to take them to make that production sample? What their payment terms are. If you're working with a supplier who is in the Far East or in Europe and they want 100% upfront, then that would be a red flag to me. Generally, if you're working with someone from the Far East, you would expect to be paid between a 30 to 50% deposit for those first orders, no more than that. And if they ask for more than that, I would just renegotiate and just say, no, I'll, I'll give you 30 or 
if you're buying a branded product that's already made, that has another company's brand on it, generally, then that might be 100% upfront for the first order until you've, you know, you've probably had a couple of orders from them. They know that your credit is good. Then they might go to payment terms like 30 days. So it may toward a product for you. Then you're looking at probably usually between a 30 to 50% deposit is what you would be expected to pay. You want to understand what orders do the factories have, if they have any. So like SEDEX or BSCI, a lot of the smaller factories won't have them, but which isn't to say that they're a bad factory. It's just these audits do cost a lot of money. So you might say to them, what are the quality checks that they have in place? Yeah, so some of the questions you might want to ask them are then what are the quality checks they have and what's their quality assurance process? What are the quality checks they have on the product so that you know what you're receiving is the quality that you have have paid for? You may also ask them about the testing that they do on the products. And that will be another good question to ask people if they'll share it with you is who else they supply, because that helps you understand where they are from a market point of view, because it helps you give an idea of who else that they work with, uh, maybe the kind of level of business or the level of skill that they have or the level of professionalism. And who would you be dealing with? Who'd be like the main, the contact that you would be working with? You know, is it going to be someone different every time? Or are you going to have this main person who's going to know what's going to be going on in, with your account? And what a supplier may need from you. So it really does depend what you're buying, but they will need to know what your quantity is. They'll need to have some kind of a design brief. So if you're not giving them a tech pack, so a tech pack is like the blueprint of, it's like, imagine architects drawings of a product. If you're not giving them that, that you've given them a very clear design brief of what you need. Maybe you might be giving them bought samples that you want a version of. You may give them a costing target. So sometimes I say not to do this at the beginning because you want to see where suppliers come out at, but you might give them an approximate costing target to start with. They may need a purchase order from you as well, or they may need an email just confirming everything that they want. So just to go into a little bit more about what a tech pack is. So a tech pack contains all the instructions required for a manufacturer to turn your design into a finished product. So that's the materials, what the grading. So in terms of by size, what it should be, the seams, the colorways, the measurements, the trims, the labels. So it's a great reference point. So it helps save costs by eliminating chances of errors in production. It acts as an insurance policy that you can refer back to. And it's a very clear communication tool and it saves time and money. So you should be able to get correct samples, maybe not first time around, but not far off first time around. But when you're thinking about costings and what goes into a price, so one of the things that I want to discuss today is about costings and quantities and what goes into a price. So you have your fabric and your raw materials, the labor, the trims, your labels and your packaging, shipping and logistics. So getting it from one place to another, you'll have obviously the profit of the supplier because everyone needs to make profit. And then you might have some other expenses as well, like marketing, sampling, testing, fulfillment that might go into the, you might need to build into your price. And from a margin point of view, depending on your business model, you'll want anything between a 50 to 80% profit margin. So if you have planned to that you want to wholesale this product that you're creating, then you will want a 80% profit margin. Um, but if you've decided that you're not going to wholesale it, then you're looking at about, you want between about a 50% profit margin. And it might be that wholesale is something you're going to do further down the line when you've got the quantities, when you have, if you've proved it's a viable product, but then you're going to be looking at a, about an 80% margin. But you can start off on a 50%. You just want to then see how you can grow and scale that. And you might be thinking, okay, what quantity should I buy? 
And some of the things you want to ask are how big is your audience? How engaged are they? How big is your target audience? What are the minimum order quantities of the supplier? And how quickly you can repeat? But you really want to assess the risk and your cash flow because you don't want everything tied up in stock. And I would always recommend going with the smallest quantity that you can buy first. So even if that means initially that you end up paying more for the product, but it allows you to buy a smaller amount to test it, then I would recommend that. One of the questions that you might ask your supplier as well is for them to send you a critical path. So what a critical path is, it's a timeline of all the tasks that are in the process so that you understand what's what they need from you, what you need from them to a certain timeline to make sure that the product's delivered on time. So there'll be certain trigger dates that are within that timeline of approving colors or sending tech packs or making sure that the packaging is on time or when is the testing being done. And they will all be and should all be slotted out in a time frame that the supplier is working to. And you need to understand what that time frame is because they're going to need feedback from you. There's no point if they send you something and you're sitting on approving it and you're not sending it you know, you're not approving it for two weeks because you're still deciding on the color or you're not 100% sure, that's going to delay your process. That means your products aren't going to land when you thought they were going to land. But from a critical path, you'll have, once you've received, the supplier receives a purchase order, supplier, if I'm talking, say, clothing here, the supplier receives purchase order, the supplier sources the materials, your initial sampling starts, then you might have samples that are approved or rejected, then if they're rejected, you'll get another set. If they're approved, then all your production will begin and you will get a sample sent from production for your approval. And then your sample is shipped. But when you're working with suppliers, make sure that you are proactive, that you address issues and challenges as they arrive. Keep up a good communication. Don't hide behind emails. Get on a Zoom. It's the quickest way to rectify any problems and build that rapport and a mutual and shared understanding. Understand what they're supposed to do and what they need from you so that you're very clear in terms of where the roles and responsibilities lie. What are they going to deliver for you? So just in summary, be clear on who your audience is and what they want when you're looking for suppliers. Decide on where you're positioned in the market. Do your research. Cross-cross with suppliers from different, whether that's the UK, Europe, and the Far East. So look at those different options. What's the minimum order quantity you need to buy from each location, each supplier, and what it costs to land the product. So you're looking at the duty that you need to pay, the insurance, the freight, and then you can make an informed decision. So then you can make an informed and confident decision. So hopefully that has shed more light on how you can find suppliers and what suppliers will need from you and what questions that you need to ask suppliers. And I will be back again next week with another great guest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. If you've enjoyed today, I would love for you to leave a review and I will see you again next week. If you'd like to hear more from me, your host, Nicole Higgins, you can follow me on Instagram at The Buying Retail Coach. Check out my website, www.thebuyingretailcoach.com or find me on LinkedIn. All the links are below in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter, The Step, for lots of helpful tips and advice.